listened to previous reviews of mine, you've probably heard the mentions I've given this film because it is something that has been a curiosity of mine. And it's not just simply because I like Michael Mann, but because when I first saw Miami Vice, there was something about it that made me ignore the mixed reception it, that it got around the time it came out. I mean, I saw it actually, I think, yeah, two years after it was released, right around 2008, because it came out in the summer of 2006. And granted, going by the Rotten Tomatoes approach is not exactly the wisest way of reviewing a film, given that art is subjective. But I certainly wasn't crazy about the film when I first saw it, yet it still was passable to me in that it felt well-made. And I mean, it was definitely well-made in terms of craftsmanship. The story was a bit regular and I guess that was the issue many people had with it and I did too at the time but then again like like any Michael Mann film you can tell that there was a lot of care and dedication put into it even though it's been documented that Michael Mann was ultimately not satisfied with the film but even that says something about Miami Vice and how over the years it's actually gained this cult following which well I'm very happy it has because it makes me feel, I wouldn't say it makes me feel more validated for liking the film or appreciating what it stood for, but I guess what it ultimately does is make me believe that the way we evaluate films itself can be, can be, have a more profound, can carry a more profound approach rather than simply saying this is good and this is bad. I mean, look. I'm not a fan of the film Tommy Boy. Well, I mean, I am a fan of... I actually am a fan of the film Tommy Boy. Well, I think, but even though I acknowledge that it is objectively a bad film, it's definitely much more sincere than a lot of bad films that are made today on a corporate level, where the humor is generous. I don't remember who directed Tommy Boy, but you can tell, tell there's a lot of love and there's a lot of care in the humor. I mean, him and Dave... I mean, Chris Farley, rest, God rest his soul. I mean, the God I don't believe in, but... Sorry for my atheism there. But yeah, Chris Farley and David Spade had fantastic chemistry. And even though I think the plot is a little ridiculous, the humor is much more sincere rather than the more self-conscientious, politically correct humor that is often used in films nowadays to sound trendy or fancy. And now, I know, yeah, I, yeah, I know it's weird. How did I end up talking about Tommy Boy when I'm talking about Miami Vice? Anyway, when it came to the way I looked at Miami Vice, I, I did carry it. Like, I, I didn't think about it for a very long time, but as, as I continued to re-watch some of Michael Mann's much more, much more acclaimed films like Collateral and Heat, which to me are his masterpieces, and I like The Insider, even though I haven't seen Manhunter yet, there's a meditative quality in all his movies that you notice that shows you that he cares about the story he cares about the experience and i guess from what i remembered in watching miami vice there was some there were traces of that especially in the fine in the final segments when colin farrell's character sonny crockett from the, the original miami vice tv series because for those of you who don't know which i think are few i mean I'm, this was based off Few ep one of the one of the episodes or a few of the episodes of the original Miami Vice TV series starring John Don Johnson and I do not know the name of the other guy. God, that's racist because he's black and I'll be perceived as that. But 
moving forward, there was some, oh god, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, the last, the final segments of it, the montage-like aspect of the conclusion just made it feel very unique. And then I, a few weeks ago, I stumbled upon this analysis video by uh, this YouTube channel, Cineframes, and I'll link, I'll leave a link in the description down below. And the video is titled Miami Vice, How to Make a Mood Piece, something like that. And what's fascinating is, I mean, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen it, but when I first saw it, I like how it was discussing even, that even though the plot is very basic, it's basically two police officers infiltrating an international drug ring to nail some cartels as well as several other groups involved, particularly an Aryan Brotherhood. The tone of the film is what really stands out in the narrative. It just captures this sense of this dreamlike essence which illustrates the futility in which the characters are experiencing. And it's done so well that that's why, even though the characters in the film, you could say they're fully formed or they're not deeply explored, because they aren't. There is no real complex, well, whatever complexity is incorporated into them isn't fully explored. But it felt, as I watched it for a second time, and I enjoyed it a lot more, especially after watching that analysis video, because it allowed me to evaluate the film with a far more analytical framework than I did when I was 18 years old. What I liked about the video was that it, no, what I liked about the way it was illustrated is that the, whatever complexity Sonny and Rico, Jamie Foxx, and I mean, Colin Farrell and Jamie Foxx carried, it's already so well ingrained into them that the film is exploring the world and what kind of men it's the world of the film, of drug running, undercover police work and what it's done to them that along with those two characters all the other characters are hyper focused on the main on the central piece and the central goal of the story and even the antagonists carry a, a similar sense like it's almost like all the characters are all share because again because of the mood piece the mood piece element and the dreamlike essence that dominates the narrative of the film I guess you could say that they're all experiencing the same thing and it's just it's defined who they are I mean this makes me go back to a film which actually came out in 2012 Savages by Oliver Stone and there's a quote by one of the characters that says the world you don't change the world the world changes you and I do believe that in many ways and I think in a way, in addition to changing you, it ultimately defines you in so many ways that if that def if that definitiveness becomes permanent rather than constant, in a state of constant change, I guess what what in what uh, the way the film Miami Vice presents it is that these characters have been have just accepted the other the utter futility of the world that they're living in that they just focus themselves they focus themselves on their goals one one day at a time while still accepting the reality they're in but they're really given they're rarely given any moments of emotional exploration or even catharsis i mean there's a brief moment in the film where naomi harris 
So his character has a mental breakdown, and I don't blame her. <clears throat> she was kidnapped by a pack of neo-Nazi skinhead hillbillies, and I mean, nearly blown up. And after she's rescued, she just loses her shit. Like she can't just like. Oh, but it's not just like this anger at the fact that she was kidnapped and her life was threatened. But there was something so primal and viscerally aggressive about it that it works to illustrate that you can only you can only accept the reality of that world and it can desensitize you so much and leave you in a state of hyper focus before you ultimately break down because I mean for someone like me who meditates and has struggled with anxiety in the past I think it's important to remain calm regardless of whatever situation but even I know that there might be a moment where I'll break down or not keep my cool I mean it really depends on the tension and the amount of strain psychological strain you put yourself through before you have a breakdown and I see saw that in Miami Vice and I appreciate that again the plot is very basic it's nothing revolutionary it's not something you haven't seen in a frill in a, in a movie but the, I haven't seen it in a movie before but then again plenty of movies replicate variations of the same kind of story or the same type of story so many times that we've become accepting of it it's the way it's presented what really matters I mean the Dark Knight is a great film but if you look at the plot very simply it's basically a superhero going up against a villain that is shaking up the society that he's in that's that's happened plenty of times before that isn't the bash that's not me bashing the quality of the Dark Knight I mean the Dark Knight is a fucking masterpiece as far as I'm concerned it's always going to be a masterpiece to me personally and, I mean, I, w I wouldn't call Miami Vice a, a masterpiece, but I do like the fact that it has gained this cult-like status. And I I guess what you... I, 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 when I was speaking to my friend John, we were talking about the movie Man of Steel in our review, and I'll leave a link to that down below as well, even though it's on the... You, know, you can find it on the back podcast. But we were discussing Man of Steel and how, in addition, even though it was really polarizing the fact that there are still YouTube videos being made analyzing the film and that they are f recent given that it's almost 10 years old which is quite astounding if you think about it very carefully that ultimately tells you how time can be a beautiful thing for a film because let's look at all the great films of the past I mean The Parallax View The Shining uh, what's another perfect Blade Runner they all received mixed or even negative receptions. And that was at a time where I think even criti film criticism, you could argue film criticism was more legitimate there because, I mean, there are some people that probably do believe even now The Shining is a piece of shit. I don't. I think it's a masterpiece. But it seems like back then we had a much more sincere way of looking at cinema. And it seems like and something as elemental as time helped improve improve the way old opinions were reshaped I mean I I don't I'm not anti Rotten Tomatoes because at the end of the day it's a collection of, in, of reviews which are made up of individuals who have their own perspective but unfortunately and sadly this is true our way of think our our way of evaluating a film has diminished significantly the intellectual capacity in which we can approach it I mean there is a clip of uh, Anthony, oh, okay, let, I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually search his name because I feel like an asshole if I, if I keep doing this, 
let me just have a look real quick. Pardon the clicking. Pardon the clicking sound. Let's see. Anthony Mackie. Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot the name of Falcon. That feels like such a dickhead move. But anyway, there's a clip on YouTube, it's pretty old, showing Anthony Mackie talking about how the way we watch movies now, we just go to Rotten Tomatoes and ultimately decide whether it's good or bad before we even see it or whether we're going to see it at all. And that's absurd. And there is a level of truth to that. I mean, I look at the score for a movie like Sp Spider-Man Far From Home, and I'm not going to bash anybody for liking it, but I despise—well, well, I don't think I even felt like it deserved to be despised. When I saw it, I didn't feel anything. Pure emptiness. I'll probably give it a second rewatch, but ultimately, I didn't care for it when I saw it, and I felt—and when I saw the 92% or maybe it's even higher score on Rotten Tomatoes, I just felt, what the fuck? Yet a film like Antichrist by Lars von Trier will get a mixed reception, which at least is more sincere because it is a polarizing film, and it's that type of movie that'll garner its its praisers and its haters, which I like, as opposed to something that'll just be automatically loved. I mean, The Last Jedi is, I mean, Star Wars Episode Seven, the last no Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, got great reviews. Yet on a fan base level. It's incredibly mixed. Some people despise it. Some people love it. But that is still far more sincere, especially the way it's approached. And I wish people could go into movies like that more because the fact that it's taken so many years for a movie like Miami Vice, which even with, even if you didn't like even if you didn't like it back then, it should have been approached. It sh it should have gotten more appreciation in the beginning instead of it taking nearly 20 years because it came out in 2006 and it's like 16 years I mean 2022 since it was released and to automatically dismiss it because it has a very mi a mixed score on Rotten Tomatoes is just absurd and I guess I mean I don't want to talk about the I mean there are plenty of elements in the story that I think work and don't work but then again that's all a matter of taste. What I just like to talk about what it ultimately represents in the big picture of it all, because the fact that it took so long for it to gain a cult following speaks to the degree of how I've mentioned just now that time can help a film garner some, no, speak on the levels of how important it is to evaluate it rather than just to simply give it a label or a rating based on prior opinions or the way we've conditioned ourselves to consume movies. And I think I've mentioned this before with John in our reviews of movies like Spider-Man, The Dark Knight Rises, and Man of Steel, and how technology, or maybe another filmmaker interviews, I'm not sure, I lose track a lot. Don't fault me for that. It's that the rapid evolution of technology has although it's created a lot of innovative aspects within our society it's also depleted our attention spans i mean 15 years ago the idea of, of, an, of us being glued to our, our smartphones for so long would have seen abnormal yet it's dominated the culture so much that you studios have to keep making these bombastically corporatized spectacles just to keep people in the movie theaters and keep their attention 
But even that's not a guarantee because if you go to a, the latest MCU film, you're still going to see someone on their smartphone in the middle tweeting or messaging somebody. I mean, it's almost, I mean, it's, it's like the dopaminergic effect, tongue, triple tongue twist there. The dopamine, oh, fuck me. Well, either way. The dopamine you get from playing with your smartphone is ridiculous. It's almost masturbatory to the point where you can't resist it, and it's almost impossible now to this point that they're only going to, you know, it's, that you can see a better chance of, you know, there's a better chance of seeing movies with more explosions, more distractions, anything to keep your attention. I doubt many, if my, I'm sure if Miami Vice was to be re released today, less people would either go see, well, I mean, more people would probably go see it because of the stars Jamie Foxx and, and uh, Colin Farrell. But I, I'm sure they would leave the film. They would either leave the film within the first 30 minutes because of how slow it is, or they'd probably walk out with rather cynical views of how not, it wasn't anything special without looking at it more critically. And although I've only seen it two times, and I probably will see it more times over the course of my life because it is Michael Mann. He's someone that brings you back into it re-exploring some of the greatest works he's produced. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Ali. I mean, I don't like it as much as I did Miami Vice. I thought it was serviceable. And I could see that he was passionate. I mean, you can't, you don't tackle a, a guy as iconic as Muhammad Ali and not without being passionate. Although I did, I didn't find it as, as explorative as, or as focused as Miami Vice, or Collateral, or Heat. And I st or the insider either. And again, I haven't mentioned Manhunter, and I haven't even seen Black Hat. And but the way I've the what the, what Miami Vice, my second viewing, has taught me is that I shouldn't let just the early negative reception of a of a film, especially from an auteur like Michael Mann, determine my ways the way of how I look at movies. Because I was actually watching another. Oh, God, I've been talking so much about Michael Mann, and I haven't even mentioned how much I loved Thief, and I've only seen it once, and I still feel like I'm not finished with that, because the, the first, just one viewing of his debut, which is considered a classic now, just uh, feels like i, I got to re-explore it. But, yeah, going back to Black Hat, after watching Miami Vice, and there's a... Um, oh, God, I, I'm losing my train of thought again, but... Yeah, there was a YouTube video exploring the many themes that Michael Mann tackles in all his movies and how that was even pretty much in Black Hat. The idea of, of men looking for freedom, having meditative moments during and when they're nearest towards the ocean. And, and there's something poetic about that that it makes me want to check out Black Hat and give it a shot because I'm not saying Black... I don't know what good things people can say about Black Hat I've heard even the most, even the people who are more, most warm to it, like uh, like the guys from the Rewatchables, which is a great podcast, and I'll leave a link to that down below, have expressed some negative views about it. But uh, there might come a, come a time where Black Hat receives its own cult following, or might get, it might even be praised. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know, it has to do with hackers, and I do like films on hacking hacking given that a lot of them have pretty much illustrated the very terrifying world of metadata we live in and how it's only getting scarier and scarier 
But yeah, when it comes to Miami Vice, I'm I'm glad I was able to rewatch it. I'm glad I was able to appreciate the dreamlike essence of it and how a film about two guys living in a world that is dominated by violence, betrayal, and just a lack of real, pro, uh, real actual progress can leave them so desensitized that that it that the, the way they behave seems almost performative. I mean, I know that that's the job of the actors, but I guess in the sense where as their characters, they've been so knee deep in that world of of that of undercover police work for so long that it has hollowed them out to the point where all they can do is just behave as the they're more autonomous rather than human and that's very telling i mean i can't i mean i can't i don't talk about the show miami vice because i haven't seen the show and i don't know how much it differs from this one i know that michael mann was involved with the show to some degree and uh but and i don't know if i'll ever watch the show because i've heard the last two seasons were good but then again that's just an opinion and i really need to get past that bias because i went into this this uh, this this introspection on miami vice and the effect it had on me and my way of of looking at film uh, critiquing with the with the idea that time can help you better understand how to look at a film and how that can even improve the quality of the film and how it's review how it's analyzed by mass audiences but not but well by a decent barely decent audience i mean it is still in a cult in a cult-like fashion but i still I, that doesn't mean my biases have been entirely eliminated because I don't feel that you tr- that you're when when you say that you've changed your views on something. I think that there will always be still traces of the former biases that led you to realize that they were biases. Uh, I'm stumbling a lot because again, this is not a normal review. This is just my way of discussing how a film has like Miami Vice and the way I looked at it prior to rewatching it for a second time has made me think more critically of how we look at movies because. I mean, there are plenty of movies out there that are considered great, or, but, eh, but they're much, they're probably much more overrated than we think they are. I mean, I'm, I mean, I like Titanic by James Cameron, but I haven't seen it in such a long time because to me it's not. I mean, I used to treat it as though it was rewatchable, but that's because it was on television a lot of, a lot of the time, even in the mid to, in the early to mid two thousands, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess my recent viewing of it left me kind of drained to the point where I realized, yeah, it's a good movie, but it's not a film that you put on even once a year, maybe once a decade, and that's it. You really liked it, and I do like it. I think it's a well-made film, but comparing it to some of Cameron's other work or even some of the other truly great films, it's highly overrated. I mean, there are films that have never gotten an Oscar nomination, and they kick the shit out of a film like Titanic, and that doesn't make Titanic a bad film. It just means that it's all just a matter of perspective, and I, I mean, I, some, I don't think I'm the first person to say I've given up on the Oscars, and I gave up on them s- several years ago. You can only imagine. I've only seen a few Oscars, like five of them, and you can only imagine how fun it felt to hear that when uh, Ryan Reynolds did that Deadpool promo, and he referred to himself as a five-time Academy Award viewer, Ryan Reynolds. And I, I kind of lit up because that is fun to know that you share the same approach 
to a bullshit award show as a meta superhero. Anyway, enough of my babbling. I hope you all enjoyed. I guess we let's call this a quasi film analysis of Miami Vice. I guess that's the best way of describing it because I mean this is bar- I was barely talking about the characters or the plot or even just certain elements I think work or don't work because overall I think it's just the mood and you got to experience the film for yourself to truly form an opinion. And if you're curious as to where you can get it, I mean, you can buy it on Amazon for like 13 bucks. I mean, there's actually a special, or like 12 bucks. There's actually a special Blu-ray deal where you can buy it along with another Jamie Foxx film, uh, Lost Kingdom, or Last Kingdom. I'm not, I remember the movie. I, I, I never saw it, but I heard even that got a mixed reception. I might check it out and see what kind of opinion I can hear about it, because, I mean, that came out in 2007, where films, a film like that probably couldn't get made today without being over-sensationalized, but... That's all, still all a matter of perspective, and I just hope that if I do watch it, I watch it with the same open mind that I did with the second viewing of Miami Vice. And, oh, yeah, you can also watch it on HBO Max if it's still there by the time I actually publish this review. Anyway, again, I hope you all enjoyed the show, and until uh, next time.